We are, we are just so privileged to have Nick Stevens with us and um, let him share the story, this incredible story of this amazing young woman who, who lived brave in, in more ways than one. She lived brave in ways that our culture would view as brave. She also lived brave in, in God's eyes. And, and so, Nick, thank you for just being vulnerable and, and being here with us to share her journey and your journey, the journey of your family. And why don't we start by just tell us who Ligon was. Tell us about this precious girl. Well, I don't think we have long enough for me to do that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, Ligon was very, very special. Uh, she was. She um, uh, was, I guess, the first thing I'd say is just from the time she was very young, she was very driven, very focused on who she wanted to be and some of the things she wanted to do and had, I think she was eight years old decided she'd be a vegetarian wow. and and so and she stuck with that wow. um, another family else did but as a young girl teenager until she was going to Denali and they said you know you, you just can't get enough protein there so you need to eat meat so she finally started eating meat at, at 20. <laughs> wow and um, uh, she was she was very uh, very quiet very yeah. very um, resigned not because she was shy, but just because she was thinking all the time, yeah. analyzing everything, observing, watching what was going on, and, and uh, you know, looking back and seeing some of the journals, we realize now uh, stuff was was calculating and figuring out, and she was analyzing everything. Yeah. And uh, uh, we have come to know Ligon more after she's died, really, even than before. Wow. Because the journals, uh, none of us had ever seen any of the journals. I knew she could write. I yeah. knew uh, she would, typical teenager, ask me deep, phenomenal questions at midnight <laughs> when I wanted to go to bed. Uh, and so she'd ask me these questions, and, and the questions would be deeper than I would ever have even thought of myself. And yeah. giving the answer was absurd, but we'd talk anyway. And so I knew she was deep. I knew she could write. Um, but um, but dry sense of humor, funny, and very, very driven young lady. Mm, wow. A lot of fun. Now, somewhere along the way, she developed this passion to to climb mountains. Talk about where that began and how that began. Um, I think, you know, it's 12, 13, something like that. Uh, she read an article, I think, about a 14-year-old boy that had climbed all the 14ers by the time he was, before he left was 15 well, yeah. by the time he was 14 he wanted to climb it all and that just grabbed her because she realized that you don't have to be 18 or 25 or an adult you can do things now yeah. so she decided I'm going to do it and so she started hammering on me and family and finally she I say drug us up to a 14er and we did craze together and almost killed me but then she constantly anyone who was around her uh, she, she wanted to go to these high places and, and the higher the better, and the more difficult the better, and, and the further in, and higher up. And so um, she started a, a 14ers club of a about beauty nine never girls, seen. You know, wow. 14, By grace, 15, have reached my heart. To By climb mercy, 14, taken me. Thousand foot peaks instead wow. of you know going to parties and stuff. So I mean, it was an amazing thing. But she had that effect on people. She'd draw you in, and, and uh, I think God called her to to the mountains and, and to these things for a purpose. That uh, looking back now, we kind of go ah. I see. Wow. Yeah. Now she she not only conquered 14 footers. I mean, she climbed some serious mountains in other parts of the nation, even the world. Yeah, right? she did. Tell, tell us about some of those excursions that okay. she went on, because this is an aspect of bravery that that even naturally we would say, 
wow, that's, especially, tell us, well, you'll hear it. Tell a little bit about those excursions she took. All right. Um, uh, when she was um, 18, uh, she started us at 17. We'd done quite a few 14ers. She was getting where she could do the 14ers. She liked doing the winter stuff, and so she wanted to go higher and further, and something spurred in her. She wanted to go international. Mm-hmm. So she talk, started talking to me about going to Nepal, and I was Ligon, you're 16 years old, 17, I don't know what else she was. You know, you, someday, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that, not now. And so too expensive, too far, all kind of stuff. So she found on the website a place called Climb Ecuador. Hmm. And so she uh, started looking into it, emailed the guy who was in charge of this out of New York without my knowledge or any of us really aware of she was even pursuing this. And she came to me with a presentation then one time about, Dad, this is what I want to do. And so she had... She starts saving her money, and by doing piano lessons, and by doing um, babysitting, and uh, she's selling cookie door, cookie dough, door to door. She ended up raising enough money uh, by the time she her 18th birthday to uh, go to Ecuador, and she climbed. Uh, she was on a team of um, um, there was 11 people, 10 men and Ligon, and uh, the she was 18, and the youngest guy was 27. Wow. And uh, she, she and one other man were the only two that climbed all four of the peaks. Wow. And so she was uh, amazing. And it became more and more clear to us how amazing she was, how gifted she was in the mountains. Two years, uh, next summer then, she and her brother started looking at Denali, Mount McKinley. Mm. And then she, on, uh, when she was 20, uh, she and Nicholas, uh, well, yeah, uh, 20, they went to uh, climb Mount McKinley. This time it was a team of 10. There's nine men and Ligon. And uh, eight of the ten were able to summit this trip, and it was just a real, real gift. She, she had a gift there. When, when we would go, I, I would watch weather change. I mean, it's like when I went with Ligon, I, I knew it was anointed. Yeah. You know, yeah. We, were, we were doing God's purposes. Wow. And so it, it, it gave me courage to do stuff beyond what was normal because it just, it just happened. It just worked yeah. when she was planning it, and she did. Wow. And she, talk a little bit about her faith because that, you, you mentioned so much, uh, we're able to read in the journals that you've kind of captured and put together about her faith, but there was a deeper purpose to her climbing than just getting on the summit. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, she... Uh, she talked to him. She so much wanted to have a ministry and, and to touch people's lives and to give glory to God through that. And she was feeling like that mountain climbing was just something she liked doing, just yeah. fleshly. She yeah. felt like it was a fleshly drive and not something God wanted her to do. Although she did write in her journal, and we've put it into her book, that, her book, that, that when I first started climbing 14ers, God told me he was going to make me a witness. Hmm. She said, I don't know what a witness means, but so she wrote about what witness means in her journal a little bit. But uh, she definitely was called by God to do that. And she and I would talk about it, and, and I didn't know how in the world God would use mountaineering as a, as a witness for him or as, as a ministry. Yeah. Because, you know, you take one person up or something, and I said, well, Ligon, you can write, you know, maybe you're going to work for a magazine or do some kind of journalism or something about it and give yeah. God glory through that. And uh, so through all that, you know, we, we agreed. And I knew in my soul that, that she did have a purpose in the mountains. It just I'd seen it so many times. God had shared it with me. I knew that her purposes were, were to be had in the mountains. So I encouraged her to do it. And, yeah. and she did. And, and now then looking back, I, 
I'm still convinced it was a good thing. <laughs> wow, yeah. And we're going to hear a little bit about that journey. Yeah. That's, yeah. There's a lot behind those words that you just heard. Take us back to January a year ago, just 14 months ago, mm-hmm. really, and, and talk about what happened and where she was and what kind of led up to that. Okay, she and Nicholas um, loved going out together. They, they were best buddies when they were very, very young. And um, they both shared this mountaineering love, and so they became mountaineering buddies. Ligon had gone a different route to start off climbing than Nicholas had done. And, and it was funny, they both got pretty good at what they were doing and then started going together. And so they went to Denali together in um, um, summer of uh, 2007, and um, they wanted to do something again that winter, this next winter. So January 2008, they, had, they were all, both off from school. And they wanted to do a long, you know, week-long trip, just the two of them, yeah. and climb a bunch of 14ers, do the winter thing. And so um, um, they had studied avalanche dangers from all the way from north Wyoming through south Colorado. And the place that had the least reported avalanche danger was Little Bear Peak. Hmm. So they picked Little Bear Peak, and they went up there, and they spent several days there. And um, on Thursday... Uh, the, the the TV spot talked about a little bit of how, what happened. Uh, avalanche, uh, they were climbing Little Bear Peak, going across this ridge just below the, the base of the, of the summit. And um, uh, they prayed about this snow field. They talked about it. Yeah, it's going to be fine. So they, they took off across it, and, uh, and it was a slab avalanche where the, the snow that they're standing on and a huge, uh, probably 200-yard by 100-yard block of snow started to slide and um, started an avalanche that then activated another avalanche and um, uh, turned out a total avalanche slide was about 1,000 feet, just wow. under 1,000 feet. Uh, went over a, about a 100-foot rock band, and so it was just a massive, uh, very, very large avalanche that wow. took them. And... Um, in that event, then, Nicholas was like eight feet ahead of Ligon, and so they both went down. They both went over this, this uh, ledge area, and um, we specifically talked very clearly about, very vividly in our eyes, two miracles that took place that, that uh, January 11th a uh, year ago, and, and that was that Nicholas was saved for purposes of God. Yeah. Because his coming through that, um, I can list about ten different miracles. It's just not just one that he survived, yeah. but but it was 24 hours before he was able to even get phone call out, wow. uh, because he had to basically extract himself off the mountain, climb back up over the ridge they had slid down, get back to his tent, spend the night, and um, going through shock and dehydration, and finally got himself out the next morning enough to call us. And the 911, uh, but Ligon was also miraculously saved for a purpose of God. Wow! And it's and it's a miracle all the way to her being. Uh, it was six months before we were able to get her off that mountain because the avalanche danger is constantly around it. And um, so when we were finally able to get her off, um, I was kept off the mountain by God, and and the rescue team that was there found her um, literally with less injury than Nicholas had had. Wow. Nicholas had had a, a couple of broken, three broken ribs and a pierced lung and, and a damaged knee and a cut on his head. And it was a miracle he survived. But uh, Ligon had none of that. No, no internal organ damage, 
no punctures to her skin, no broken bones in her entire body. She was laying down, relaxed, no sign of trauma. She was, I visualized God reached down as the slide started and grabbed her and said, come with me, daughter. She sat up on the ridge there and they watched this slide take place. And she was going, God, but God, what about Ligon? What about Nicholas? And, and God told her, no, Ligon, it's going to be okay. Watch, I've got this all worked out. What about my dad? No, no, he, I've talked to him already last week. He's okay. We're going to see some great things. And, and so they were, uh, she's then uh, delivered in, in God's way to be able to share with us, I think, today the, the secret of the intimacy that she had with God. She had a discovered a secret of intimacy, of walking with him, experiencing him, knowing his presence was with her, that she wrote into the journals that none of us had seen. And uh, because of the avalanche, uh, we've been able to participate, participate in a divine relationship that God wow. wants each of us to have, I believe. Wow. Talk about... You, you mentioned just briefly that you had an experience with God in terms of him speaking to your heart about a week before with your family. Talk a little bit about that, because that was even without realizing God preparing you for what was coming. <laughs> yeah, we, we talk about there's Ligon's story and um, there's Nicholas's story, because Nicholas has a phenomenal story with his his year. Um, but my story started a week before. Uh, Thursday morning, God woke me up. Very unusual. I don't do that kind of thing at all. And um, I had been praying for a few days for God to give me a word for our family for the year. It's a little tradition I have around the Yule Log thing. And uh, so um, I, just nothing was coming to me. And, and that Thursday morning, it just woke up and faithful and true. I am faithful and true. And so, ah, well, that's what it is then. So I wrote up this study and um, went through the scriptures and you know, had a big kind of family meeting on Saturday night to talk about what God was revealing to me about our family for the year 2008. And it had to do around this thing that I am faithful and true. And so um, um, I then went through the next week after giving that to my family and writing all that stuff up and handing out little notes and putting the Yule log away. Then Thursday, Ligon dies. It was... Um, that was Saturday night, and then Monday morning, Nicholas and Ligon take off for the mountain. My wife and I and daughter head up to Montana for a friend's funeral. And uh, then Thursday, she, she's in that avalanche. And I, I, after the shock of the day, the two or three days of searching, we got back home. And all of a sudden, I was hit with this word that God had given me about I'm faithful and true. And, and we had stood for years on confidence that God had told us, shared with us, that that. I am with her in the mountains. Mm -hmm. I am protecting her so her foot will not slip yeah. and that uh, she'll be lifted up even when, when times are hard. And so we had received confidence in his promises. Yeah. And now then, not only did that seemingly not happen, but even more so, he had woke me up with this, I am faithful and true. Wow. And it, it made my whole spiritual walk of having grown up in the church kind of Reeled. Uh, I think when a father faces death, when anyone faces death, I think your your faith is is challenged. Is it religion or is it reality? Wow. And so I was really challenged yeah. by that. And, and uh, uh, as I prayed and struggled and wrote my pastor, it came back to me finally that God revealed. He says, "Don't." For, he said, "Nick, it's not just that." He says, "I was telling to you, don't forget that I am faithful and true." And so he was going to demonstrate to our family through this year that 
he is. That's who he is. And who he is is what the whole purpose of this year was. And uh, Nicholas has a phenomenal story about discovering who he is. Wow. And uh, so I discovered that. And sure enough, we have actually seen, as we see in, the, in, in, in her journals, that it was a desire of her heart. She would have done anything if she could have been a witness, if she could have yeah. given him glory, if she could do something to, to let people know yeah. that this, this God is real. Yeah. And uh, now then we're looking at it and going, good grief, this book is, we've sent it to Europe, we've sent it all over the country. People are, are just crying uh, about the faith that, that is in this girl. Yeah. And so to give him glory like she wanted to do, she needed to walk through this time. And, and I think she was willing to get up on the altar. I, if, he, if he had asked her, I think he would have, she would have gotten up on the altar and said, yep, yep I'm willing to do this. And she, yeah. she said it over and over in her journal. So yeah. it was wow. a walk. I don't know if you caught it in the news clip, her brother Nicholas, you you talk about his journey, but he said something so powerful in that video, I thought, when he said, I think his words were, I had to seek God enough till I was no longer offended with him. That's a pretty real, raw statement about about that journey that he must have been on. And, and, And maybe talk a little bit, you have been, a little bit about... That journey you went through, and you, one of the things I, that was interesting last week when we were talking, you said you, you, there were times when you or your wife or, or, um, or even Ligon and Nicholas would feel a check about a climb or about going to a certain place, and there was peace about this mm. climb. Talk, talk a little bit about that. I found okay. that really interesting. You know, it's, um, the Bible tells us a lot about... Um, my, my sheep will hear my voice and they will yeah. recognize my voice. Yeah. And so I, I've talked to my kids a lot about hearing the voice of God and talked to myself a lot about hearing the voice yeah. of God. How do we hear the voice of God? How do we know that God is, is, is asking us to do something or going to a place? And so um, as our kids would go into the mountains and do stuff, um, we would pray. And there would be times when Nicholas and Ligon both you know, would listen and would pray and, yeah. and they... They would just not feel right at times. Say, so, you know, I'm just, I'm just not going to do this this time. And so yeah. they would stop and not go to a place. Yeah. Uh, there was time when, when uh, my wife or I would, would be praying and, and just not feel good about them climbing a certain yeah. peak or going to a certain place at a certain time or the weather or something. And, and um, on this trip, um, uh, Ligon had gone with somebody else just a few weeks before, and I had asked him, you know, I don't think so. Let's, let's just not go this time. But, but this trip, it was just no question. It was, like, exciting. I was glad they were going together, the two of them, something they wanted to do. Uh, no check at all. My wife, no check. That Thursday morning, uh, both of us were in the car headed back from Montana. And, and again, not one thought about uh, about the kids and so no sense of danger and so there's something unusual in that yeah because it had just been there so many times and we felt like it kind of kept us safe many times and uh this time was not there when nicholas and ligan like i said earlier they 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 stopped and they looked at this ridge and do we go on and and both of them said nope nope it's gonna be fine let's go let's do it and so neither one of them had any check about it there so we came out of that feeling confident again that God's purposes uh, yeah. were to be served by yeah. what they were going to do, and that um, we needed to line ourselves up with that yeah. and realize that that, uh, that how precious 
in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And uh, that's that's hard to to grasp as a father. Yeah, that's what he asks us to do. It's interesting to me that in, in the course of planning, we plan baby dedications for a whole year when they'll fall. And it's interesting tonight, it, we dedicated babies to start this. This takes on something different when you say, God, my child is yours. And I would love for you to just speak to the journey over the last year for you of, of that. That came to mean something really different, I think, to you than maybe for a lot of us. Talk a little bit about how you've processed that. And we're, one of the things that is has been so refreshing to me in, in we just met a week ago and I just I just I just love this guy uh, instantly and and I guess part of it is we've uh, we've laughed a lot last week when we talked we were talking before service and there's this there's this joy that I see in you but but there's been this journey of you coming to where you are now and and I would love for you to share just a little bit of what that journey's been like. Um, <clears throat> that's a long journey. <laughs> yeah. uh, I guess I would I would start with with a story of well I'll just start with this that that I have come to grasp that that the physical life that we live here is the shadow. And the real life that we have is our spirit. Hmm. And, and with that, I think you can have joy. You can laugh in times of sorrow. Yeah. And, uh, and you can feel love uh, when your heart's broken. Um, and uh, so we have walked through a lot of that kind of stuff uh, as a family. Uh, many tears and then tears turn into laughter. But... The, the walk started out, I guess, a week, the, the week after the avalanche. I surrounded with a group of men around me that, um, uh, and I shared with them the, this thing that had struggled, that had been struggled for me for years. As a father, was God in Genesis 22 asking Abraham to give Isaac on the yeah. altar? Uh, uh, you know, take Isaac up to Mount Moriah and, I'll, uh, and offer him there to me. And Abraham doing it, yeah. Abraham getting up there, that that conflict with my concept of God that didn't make sense in relationship to what the heart of God that I know he says he had already promised Abraham six other times that he would be abundantly blessed through his children. And it's going to be Isaac. And so it just it just didn't didn't add up. Yeah. And and I told this group of men that morning because that had bothered me all my life. And now that I felt like God was posing that question to me and kind of maybe retroactively, but nonetheless, it had been posed to me for years. And I told these men then that, I, you know, I don't love God enough. I was I was bawling <laughs> sure. out of control and uh, just letting my my feelings um, out. And, and with these group of men that, that are very close and and I told them, uh, if if it cost one of you guys your soul to get Ligon back. I'm afraid I'd sign the paper. Yeah. And, uh, and I, that was hard for me to admit because I had always, I couldn't imagine God asking somebody to do that. Wow. I could not imagine it. And so uh, as, as I walk through that, and then as I walk through this year, I've realized uh, more and more of what um, intimacy with a, with a good God really is like. Mm. Wow. And, and I've realized that Ligon's heart was to be close to him. 
I realized that Sarah and I had have really had given her to him years before and that he had taken her. (laughs) He had taken her a long time and she was more in love with him than she was with me. Wow. And I as I processed all that, I realized that that that's really where life was. That yeah. that's really that's really that gave her fullness of life. That's what really was her passion. Yeah. And and because of that, God gets glory from from all this stuff. Yeah. And and all of a sudden, I started walking on it, and I realized that you know what, um, he, he is worth that to me. Mm. And and I and I do need to be willing to give anything. Yeah. For for what he's asked, and um, uh, a, a sharp contrast between Abraham. Which in Genesis 22, where he says, now that you have not withheld your son from me, I will make you a nation. And then repeats the promise again. And then just three, three chapters later, in contrast to Abraham, Isaac, whose son Esau was very good hunting. And because Esau had a taste for wild game, Isaac loved Esau. And I, and I just dwelt on that with, wait a minute, because Isaac liked the stomach, yeah. he liked Esau. He was not willing to do what Abraham had done wow. with his very own, fa- own, own father. And, and I didn't want to line up with Isaac. I wanted to line up with Abraham. Wow. I, wanted to know, I wanted to know God, and I wanted to let God walk in my life. And so um, um, as I have done that and been submissive to him... Not only have has my life taken on new meaning and new purposes, but Ligon's life has taken on new meanings, yeah. new purposes, and so it's exciting. Wow! Well, there's a you put together some of the selected entries of her journal into a book, and by the way, there's there's a few copies that the ones they could scrounge up that are left. Um, if if you want to pick one of these up, they'll be out there in the mall. But there there's a you talked about Ligon's intimacy with God. And, and reading through this, I was reading through it again today, and, and uh, there's one in here especially. Um, I don't know if you want to read it or if you want me to read it, but it's called The Dance. Uh, it, do you want to read that or would you rather me do it? What's your preference? I just, you need to hear what she wrote as it describes the intimacy that Ligon knew. I'll read it. Okay. I don't know if it's a better way or not, but uh, I should get my daughter up here to read it. <laughs> <laughs> nah, she'd cry. Um, I found this, my son, uh, when, when they were on the mountain, um, on, that, that, at, on Little Bear, uh, she, he, Nicholas brought down a lot of things from the mountain, and he, he picked up two things that he had of hers. He picked up her Bible, and he picked up her journal mm-hmm. and brought it down. And so she, he was looking through it when we were in the middle of, of trying to do the search. And... Um, he found the very first thing he found was was this journal entry that um, then he shared with my wife and then he shared with me that same day and uh, all of a sudden I was like good grief this girl may have been like Enoch I've never known anybody like Enoch that yeah. walked with God and was not she, we may never find Ligon but but this was this was Ligon's uh, from October last year uh, year before the avalanche the Lord asked me to dance with him today. I said, yes. I got dressed up as best I could, which was marked only by effort. For all I had was a skirt. All I had that was a skirt was a white slip that went down to my calf muscles. I wore the prettiest jewelry I had, a ring, spoon-like, 
a bracelet mom gave me and a bracelet ring I got from Ecuador. Also a necklace with the word dream on it and a silver treble clef charm. I wore a green jacket and flip flops from Israel, though I took them off to dance. I turned off everything, the computer, my cell, and shut the door and turned on Inya. We danced all through the CD. Taking a break once to sit, I was dizzy from spinning, a little smiley face. He told me, and then he showed me, I was beautiful. I felt as if I were worthy of a crown, at least his love, because he gave it. And I smiled back at him. I am yours, aren't I? A daughter of the king. He brought me out of the mire and clay and made me into a beautiful vessel. He called me by name and adopted me as his own, grafting me into his vine. Now I am a branch, a part of the kingdom of God. I don't know why he chose me. I don't understand, but I will not question why. I love you, Lord, I told him. This was real. It was good. It was not a game or just a fun idea. I would never have thought of this, something like that. But he did. He just asked me to dance and dance with my father. I did. Wow. What incredible, incredible intimacy that she knew. This morning, early this morning, I was, I was reading through this again. And, and one of the things that grabbed me, it's a short entry that she wrote. She wrote it July 1st of 2006, it says in here. And it, it says this, just listen to these words. She says, there's a part of me that burns for the eternal. I cannot live without a purpose, not truly live. I can stand on all the great summits of the world, but it would not be enough to justify a reason to live. Now listen to this last statement. Since I've tasted the eternal, a goal that lacks it feels empty and useless. Since I've tasted the eternal, a goal that lacks it feels empty and useless. Man, that's been in my head all day today of, of, of what it means to live that. That's living brave in the eyes of God. And you, you, you even shared that that created challenges for her in doing normal young lady stuff because she was so burdened, so passionate about living for things that mattered and that were eternal. I want to, uh, I want to read just one more. It was actually read. Uh, her mother read it in that video that we watched. But in this, in this book, and there, there, it's filled with pictures of trips and standing on summits or, or in valleys on the climb. And there's a picture at the, almost at the very end of, of Ligon, the actual day. Um, it actually was probably just hours. This picture right here is the day of, right. of the, the avalanche. The picture is the, is the day of the, they were heading up to Little Bear. And then the, the journal entry was the last one she wrote on that while, while they were on the mountain. So the very last journal entry, just a few days before she stepped into God's presence. This is, this is what she wrote. I want to make sure you catch what she wrote. God is good. And he has a plan for our lives that is greater and more blessed than the lives we pick out. Let me start over. God is good, and He has a plan for our lives that is greater and more blessed than the lives we pick out for ourselves. And I am so thankful about that. 
It, it moves me because of the story, but it moves me because of the insight this young lady had that is speaking to my spirit, I think, things I haven't considered to the depth that she has. And then, then she finishes the entry by saying, Thank you, Lord, for bringing me this far and to this place. And she writes, I leave the rest, my future, in those same hands and say thank you. That's a brave life. Wow. Wow. Well, here's what I want us to do. We are, at her memorial service, there was a, a um, slideshow, or video actually, that, I don't know if it was all of these entries or not, but a number of the entries different people read with pictures of, of Ligon's life and, and her journeys. And, and there's one in particular, an entry, that, um, that we've clipped out of that video. And, and I want you to, to listen to the words that Ligon wrote. As the, I think you're the one actually reading it on the video. And listen to the words. Um, let's see, I'm trying to remember the, the, the name of it. Let me tell you the name of, of what this entry is called. You probably remember. It's called The Time, time to Live. Time to Live. The Time, time to, to Live, live is, is now. now. The Time to Live is Now. Think about it in light of, of what we've been talking about since the beginning of this year and, and the words that she wrote. And then, and then we're going to listen to a song. And then I've just asked after, after that song if, if Nick would come back up here and, and just pray for us as we kind of wrap up this series. And then I want to, we're going to receive communion together and we're going to do something I think special to wrap up this series. But, but for right now, I want you to just listen to uh, the words that Ligon wrote and, and look at the pictures and then we'll listen to a song. Lord, you are faithful. Make obvious to me your faithfulness because you are faithful. You have given me this task and I am asking you now to reveal yourself to me as I seek you out. You have given me this task to do and because I trust in you, because I am a daughter of the King, you will not let me be disgraced or give all for nothing. I am sure of this, that I have not missed you. I have not made a wrong turn that put me down the wrong pathway of my life. For before I was even born, you had my days numbered, and every day was recorded in your book, every moment laid out. So it cannot be that all this is for nothing, or that my Father has not his hand in it. But with every passing day, he rejoices with my triumphs, and weeps when I miss the joy he planned. Every thought I am going to think, he knows already. Yet he is still surprised by me. Every word I say, he has already written in his book. But he is still captivated by them. He longs intently and is jealous for my love. Why then would he leave me or let me wallow in uncertainty, guessing as to which way to go and hoping I will not have missed the way? No, it is obvious the path that he has set before me is not a path through this world, but more importantly, a path to know Him. So there is purpose in this work, that once again He is asking me to give just a little more than I thought I had. This is what this part of my life is all about, to find out how far I really can go. Who I am, what I live for, the time to live is now. The time to run and wake up every morning excited about what the world might throw your way is now. 
The time to lay low in turmoil and humility before God is now. The time to seek and find. The time to change and learn is now. Let God transform you by changing the way you think. Let yourself be corrected and disciplined now. Now is the time to live. Not tomorrow. Not in ten minutes. Not in twenty. Not when you are good and ready. But don't think you have to do this and become this. Your full duty is to love the Lord so much you would lay down your life and value His will above the richest gain of earth. Rejoice when He disciplines you. Look for Him and wait for Him. In ways to please Him, be a desperate searcher. Yes, the time to live and to live truly is now. Yeah, the Lord is on my side. Who can be against me? The Lord watches over me tells his angels to carry me. What could happen? The Lord fights for me. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is always here. He always listens. And his will is good, pleasing, and perfect. Oh, how wonderful it is to be a child of God, a sheep among his fold. Forever I will praise you, Lord. Oh, how I love the Lord. May I trust you now, Lord, for you have brought me to this place for a reason, for this season, and it is good. Today and tomorrow and the rest of my life, may I trust you and walk with my head in the air and my heart on fire that no matter where I go, love will too. For you bore all my sorrows away already. You carried my cares long ago to depths I will never have to see. you do me a favor I'm, I'm vast Nick to pray for us but I just think it would be appropriate for us to express our gratitude for him being willing to share his heart with us and open up to us man bless you so appreciate you wow Why don't you remain, remain standing, and Nick, will you just, just pray for us, however God's Spirit leads you. Amen. Almighty God and Father in heaven, you have chosen Father to be the way you illustrate who we are, who you are to us. And so, God, I ask you to reach out as a Father with love and uh, reach your arms around each of us right now as we just give you glory and say thank you. For your faithfulness. Thank you, Father, for who you are. Thank you, God, that you have chosen us. That out of, out of the world, you have reached down your hand and revealed yourself to me. And, Father, that position as your child, eternally, we can't even fathom, God, the great standing that we have. And so, God, we give you the glory and the praise and we thank you. Thank you for who you are. Yes. And, Father, as, as your children... I want to come now on behalf, Father, of, of this gathering of people and the saints. And, and we gather together as, a, as your children, Father, to come before you. And, and Father, in, 
on behalf of fathers in, in this room, I, I speak for you. Uh, I ask you, Father, to give your wisdom to each of the fathers here. Yeah. Give, give your wisdom, Father, to each of these fathers to be able to look at their children and to receive from you a vision for each of their children. Put something on their heart that they can impart that is of you. That will, that will motivate, that will drive, that will give vision and clarity for their children, Father, to seek after the real, living, existing God in heaven. And, Father, for all parents, I pray that, that you would give us as parents, Father, a, a self-sacrificing love for our children. And that we would, as Abraham did, not withhold anything from you. But, God, the best that we can do as parents is to give our children to you. And, Father, if that means the total sacrifice in some form, Father, then, then we just give us the courage, give us the grace to be able to give it to you. Because in, in giving it to you, Father, we're giving you what can't, we can't hold on to anyway to, to give them, Father, something that they will never lose. And so, Father, I just give us that strength. Father, every teenager that's here, I speak courage. I speak vision. I speak passion in their life that your Holy Spirit would speak loudly to each of these teenagers that are here, God, and that they would realize that they're not too young. Today is the day for them to listen to your voice and to get a direction for what they can do and that they would walk into that father with a, with a courage and a passion that causes them to be willing to sacrifice something today, something tomorrow, some discipline that you want to do in their life to bring it to them, father, and, and, and give them that passion. And father, as, as your children, as families, help us to understand what love really is, because love is eternal and love with you is not something that we have to Imagine love with you is real. So, God, in, as I conclude, God, I just ask you, please make yourself real. Yes. Make yourself vivid to each of us. Help us to see your face really and to know that Jesus Christ is a risen Lord. And he's standing beside me right now, giving me words to say and beseeching you, Father, on our behalf. Give us, Father, a passion for you that's unlike we've had in the past. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Would you go ahead and be seated? And we're going to spend a little bit of time in worship. And here's how we're going to close out our time together. I want to invite you, if you'll remember a couple of weeks ago, as we were journeying through the book of Nehemiah at the end of chapter 9, after they had recounted the great story of God going all the way back to Abraham. And in recounting that story, they talked about how God was faithful. We heard that tonight. God was faithful and yet they rebelled. And over and over again, they, they would rebel and they would become slaves and captive and, and they would cry out to God and God would hear the cry of the oppressed and raise up deliverance for them. And over and over they walked away and they, they recounted their history right up to the point that they were at after they had rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem. And then it says this, this is what they cried. In view of all this, we are making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, and our leaders, our Levites, and our priests are affixing their seals to it. I want to invite you tonight, as we move into a time of worship, we're not going to have an official closing, and so when, when you feel finished, you can be dismissed. But what I want to invite you to do is to write on your bulletin, there's space there for you to write, 
What is the agreement you need to make with God tonight? For some of you, it's saying yes to live the life He's called you to live. For some of you, it's to persevere. For some of you, it's to face the opposition with courage. Remember, courage is not the absence of fear. It's the resolve to follow Jesus, to obey in the face of fear. What is the agreement you need to make with God? And You can write it in that bulletin so you can take it home. And then I want to invite you. There are, there are four kind of poster board that are, that, and it's a brick. It's a brick wall. And I want to invite you to make your way to one of those. There's two on each side. And you don't have to write the whole thing if you write a lot of things out. You can write one word if you want, or you can write a sentence or whatever you'd like. There's markers there. We have people there to give you a marker. And just write that on that wall, that agreement that you're making with God. And then you can receive communion on your own. There are four different stations where you can receive communion. And so you can feel free to make your way there, and you can go as a family or or, or however you want to do that, you can receive communion um, as you would like to in the context of our time of worship. I won't come back to dismiss. That's just how we're going to end. And so let's worship together. Let God speak to your heart. Write out those words that He would put in your heart to write. Make your way to the wall. Receive communion. Our prayer team, we have a prayer team that will be available. and They're going to be on the far corners. If you want to just join with someone to pray, they'll meet you there and they'll pray with you, whatever your needs might be. And so let's just worship Him together. Let's have a moment of just kind of holy chaos together. Okay? And let God speak to you and you respond the way He wants you to respond. All right?